Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Recovery from Relapse meeting of World Readers Anonymous. It is Tuesday, the 5th of July, 2022. My name is Rita Q, and today I am absolutely delighted to, rec um, to welcome Phil M to our meeting. Phil came into OA in February 2012. She's from Carrick, Fergus in Northern Ireland, and she is now going to share her experience, strength and hope. I'll pass it over to you, Phil. Take it away, lovey. Thank you very much, Rita, and it's such a joy to be here. My name is Phil M. I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Northern Ireland, um, like Rita, and I wish I was more like Rita in many ways, <laughs> but I'm who I am. And um, don't worry if I'm not your cup of tea. Some days I'm not my own cup of tea. Um, there's a saying, if you love everybody in a way, you haven't been to enough meetings. Um, so that's okay. Um, just wonderful to see some familiar faces here. Uh, it, it does really help to, <laughs> to take away the pressure. Um, but yeah, just to start with a qualification. I'll take actually a breath here if you don't mind. I know we're recording. Not keep that too long. Um, so starting at the beginning, um, I grew up in Carrick Fergus. Um, which is 10 miles outside Belfast on the shores of Belfast Lough. My home was a very loving one. Uh, there were 10 children of us. I'm number five. It was really raging when my uh, baby brother came along because it meant I didn't get to be exactly in the middle anymore. I had to share it with Christine. Um, uh, my mum my had a real heart for children. And I know that's not the case for a lot of us addicts. Do you know, I just happened to strike very, very lucky. Um, my dad was a disciplinarian. He did his job by his sights uh, and his light, and that was to provide the money. And that was it. Um, yeah, education as well was important to him. Um, but outside of that, emotionally unavailable. Uh, so very lucky by many, many standards. Um, so, yeah, I, food was love. Food love was love when we grew up, you know. When we were sad, we, we got something sweet. When we were happy, we had something sweet. When we were sick, there was something sweet. It was love. Um, and as a special treat, we took turn to, uh, on a Friday night, to spend extra time with mum. To treat them. <laughs> Everybody got treats, but whoever was sharing with mum got extra treats, you know. So it was all tied up absolutely with love and being loved and attention. Um, and that, that love of food carried on in my life into my teenage years. And when I moved from home, uh, my dad wasn't the healthiest, you know. I survived on uh, very non-nutritious stuff. Um, when I got married, um, wasn't... I was a reasonable size, but I did put on a bit of weight. Now, um, my husband, who was a very good man, looked at me, put on weight, and uh, said at one point, you know, um, that when I reached size 14, it was a turnoff. And, and uh, I was very angry at him. We weren't actually doing very much together, but two lovely little daughters, you know, we didn't go out together. And... You know, how's this for a thought? I thought, oh, you think this is a turn off? So I've heard people say they had had people 
And so I carried on eating and um, got up to um, 15 and a half stone, which is 217 pounds or 98 kilograms. And uh, by that stage, I was very, very miserable and uh, found my way to the doors of OA. I think I'd been in my 20s, but I wasn't really ready to hear the message then at all. I had to be really crushed. Some people say uh, we come to uh, spiritual awakening, either in a stretcher or with her dancing shoes on. I needed to be on a stretcher. I don't know how many times I needed to be on the stretcher, quite a lot. But uh, that night, they didn't have any newcomers packs, and all they had was their copy of the big book and um, looked at me suspiciously, which I don't blame them. I didn't realize how precious having, you know, the group copy of the big book was. Um, and I'll always be so grateful to the girl. And I still see her and I'm still grateful to her for it. She gave me the copy of the big book. And I read it avidly cover to cover and I could identify. I didn't have any difficulty identifying. I knew I was addicted. And I had gone to um, counselors galore uh, specialising in addiction, I had gone to psychiatric nurses, I had read self-help books galore. If self-knowledge would have sorted this disease, I would have been well sorted a long, long time before I was. Uh, as I say, I had to be crushed. And that was a wet February night going to Belfast. There was one meeting a week. That was it. Ten miles away, travelled there. And um, thankfully it was there. It took six weeks, and six weeks doesn't sound an awful lot, but at the time it felt like forever. And on the 26th of March 2012, I just was in the house and I cried out to God. And I says, why is this working for these people, God? Why is it working for them? It's not working for me. Please let it work. Please let it work. And I suppose I had like a white light experience that Bill had. Uh, which was very precious. I just felt a lot of energy flooding into me. I felt like I wanted to <laughs> clean the house from top to bottom, open the windows. Do you know, it was just amazing. And I knew something had changed. And I had sensed, as it says in the big book, that, that the problem had been lifted. And so it proved. Could not wait to get to the meeting the next Friday. I was standing in the kitchen and I was doing stuff. And there was my, my favorite stuff chocolate sitting there and I didn't want it and this was a miracle this 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 was just a miracle now for a year and a half then I was my version of abstinent and my version of abstinent wasn't actually brilliant I had decided in my great wisdom that it, what brilliant idea would be to keep five grams of sugar per per whatever I'm eating now, this is not a good idea. Do not take this on. <laughs> Five grams per hundred grams. Um, and that would be fine, you know. Uh, that would be all right. But I have to say, for a year and a half, my abstinence was not solid. It was not safe. I felt a bite away from a relapse. I did. And I can't say how many food dreams I had. Not food dreams, food nightmares. And I woke up and I couldn't tell had I picked up, had I not picked up. Um... I mean, it was it, it, it was good as far as it went at a year and a half. And um, I released four and a half stone, 63 pounds, 28 kilograms. Um, looked a lot better, was getting a lot of 
nice comments. Um, uh, people started to say, oh, you've lost too much weight. I wasn't by any means very light. I was 10 and a half stone, you know. I was cross at people telling me what to do, you know, an addict. Somebody's telling me what to do. What the hell are you thinking, <laughs> you know? So it was almost like uh, with my husband, you know, <laughs> yeah. And, and they just couldn't get that it was, wasn't in my control how much weight I lost or didn't lose, no matter how often they tried to explain, this is not my doing, you know. And I would have had no shame in telling people it was Overeaters Anonymous that was helping me. Um, however, I'm not sure I did Overeaters Anonymous a great favour because I got, haven't got cocky. I mistook abstinence for recovery. And when I read the big book again, and I always keep saying new stuff, but this was, you know, sobriety is but a beginning and abstinence is but a beginning. Sometimes in a way, but, but certainly for me, the message I picked up, and it's not the message everybody gets, but it was that abstinence is the most important thing bar nothing. It certainly is important, you know, it's a foundation and it has to be there for sure. But it's a spiritual awakening and it says it again and again in the big book, it makes it so clear that that's what we're needing and we get it by working the steps. Um, and, uh, but the five and a half years of relapsing was hell. It was a lot of hell. So I promise every day that today would be the day. And it wasn't just Monday mornings, you know, but I'd be no sooner be in the kitchen than I'd see something and there was no thought, no pause, nothing right into the mouth despite those sincere promises before I even left my bed. I was totally baffled. And, you know, in five and a half years, probably almost every day of the year was my day one, at some stage or another. Um, and of my own, I could not do it. I could not stop it. And in the room, sometimes I've heard people say, you know, oh, well, she mustn't want it enough. That was incredibly hurtful. I couldn't understand that because if I was bleeding in the street, I could not have wanted recovery more. I could not have wanted to be a sponsor more. It was, it was just awful. And I'm sure a lot of the people here, you know, if you've been through relapse, you'll, you'll know how tough that is. And I'd be, you know, I'm not going into the supermarket. I'm not going into the supermarket in the car as if it had a well in its own drove in. And something overtook me and I'd be going through the garage and um, this Aladdin's cave and I'd be picking up stuff and I'd be saying, please, God, stop me. Please, God, stop me. The basket full of stuff would go. Please, God, stop me. Pay for the basket. Come home. And all this stuff. And it got eaten. Other times I would say I'd be bound for, for the kids. I knew rightly the kids weren't going to see them. They weren't going to see them. Pack of biscuits straight down my throat. And so many embarrassing things, you know, um, had happened. Um, I worked in a, a shop, which is fairly well known here for food, M&S. It's really good for food where you're being good with food or you're being bad with food. I don't actually like those terms anymore, good and bad. We're just, you know, do, doing our best. Now, when I was in recovery, even if I'd only one day's abstinence, people would say, you're looking well. One day's abstinence, just that morning, I got up abstinent. But there'd be no word if I was in the food. There'd be no, you're looking well. That's how powerful, you know, abstinence actually is. 
Um, and I, I, I don't understand. I, I think it just took what it took. And that was five and a half years. And I put on um, the, the weight and I also put on another stone. And I'd heard the stories and I thought, no, this isn't going to happen to me. No, no, I'm, I'm fine. I, I'm all right. You know, I'd be okay. No, it absolutely did happen to me. And they horrified me, those stories. But that had to be my experience. So I'd just like to, to share a few photographs um, with you here. Here we are. This is a couple of years ago with my old friend, Francis. We met in primary one. And I've continued to be friends. We used to be uh, thought of as sisters, no mistaken as his sisters are. This is Newgrange, a Neolithic site in Ireland, beautiful spot with my friend Elaine, one of my newer friends. <laughs> um, this is when I was 60. Uh, the kids paid for a short trip to Italy. I was desperate to be abstinent, and actually, there I was. I was, and we had a lovely holiday because I wasn't in the food. Uh, not very flattering, neither was that. <laughs> but uh, a friend of mine gave me that dress. Uh, this is a, a little while ago, a neighbor, a friend, husband took that photograph and this was fairly recent. So um, that's just a few wee, few wee images of how I was. So that was 16 and a half stone, 231 pounds, 104 kilograms. And I once said on a, a vision meeting that was recorded that I got up to 231 stone, um, which was ridiculous. But if it was humanly possible, there was nothing going to stop me from getting there. Absolutely nothing, you know, because there was no food. There was not enough food in the world to fill the hole of my soul. And what was that whole, I, I, probably an awful lot of things, but loneliness was massive, huge, huge loneliness. And I've looked at diaries, you know, where I've had a lovely day, a lovely morning with friends, having a walk, you know, and, and meeting afterwards for lunch and coming home and yet feeling thoroughly, thoroughly lost and empty and alone. Um, and how bad was it? Well, my mobility was pretty bad on that holiday. You couldn't walk very far. The kids are great walkers, but I couldn't walk very far. I had double incontinence. That's not a very nice thing. It probably wasn't helped by treatment for cancer that I had, but it certainly uh, was a very unpleasant side effect, both of the of my eating, my diet, and uh, of, of the treatment. Uh, I was depressed. Um, for a long time, I resisted going on antidepressants. I'm not on them now, but I certainly need them and was very glad of them when I decided to take them. I didn't have a plan, but I'd always had a horror of drowning. But I was standing beside uh, Carrick Castle. It was a dark night. It was a big Norman castle looking out at the sea and thinking, how calm that would to be under those how calm it would be to be under those waves. And the scary thing was that that thought didn't even scare me or worry me. That's how low I was. It didn't seem that that was a bad thought. I'd become very unsocial. I'm a very social person. I love being out with people, but I <clears throat> couldn't look at myself. I didn't want anybody else looking at me. 
Um, I had such bad reflux. I would have to sit up to go to sleep at night. Um, I had a bath lift. I had a bath lift, which my, my son kind of laughed at and poo-pooed, didn't think I needed. I needed it. I knew I needed it. Um, and uh, I heard that cancer was fed by sugar. Still couldn't stop. I tried like Bill on my own, you know, car. Could not stop. Could not stop. Um, I was expecting my second very much wanted child. Uh, wanted her to be well. But I, I pretty well was just eating chocolate. You know, it's just how bad this stuff gets, you know. Um, my young son, who's third child uh, and last child, two girls and a boy. Um, at the age of 12, he wanted me to get him a meal. I'm still a bit, well, I, I'm still a lot actually embarrassed by this. I was kind of comatose, lying stretched out on the, on the sofa. And my thinking was, I can fill myself up with junk. Why can't you, you know? And that is part of the past. And I, I'd like to be able to be free of it and not wish to shut that door. I, I would love to shut the, my door on that and pretend it never happened, but it did. And more, you know, I was just so much into myself. Food was my God. It was my comforter and it became my destroyer. <clears throat> So what happens whenever we get abstinent and we don't have recovery? What Whenever I got abstinent and I didn't have recovery, what was happening, my disease was saying, um, oh, you, you, you're feeling pain. Come here, I'll comfort you. Just a bite, just a bite. That's all you need. And I had the best salesperson in the world in my head. And this best salesperson could read my mind. I've heard somebody say that one time and I thought that's exactly what was going on. Just one back, that's all. And how many, many times I listened to that voice and picked up, really thinking, you know, one bag, one bar, one packet, you know, would sort it and then I could go back onto it. I, I just couldn't, I just, uh, just couldn't do one bag. But it was a familiar, it's, you know, seeing, seeing, being out of the food was kind of painful. And I hadn't got recovery and I hadn't got the spiritual awakening or whatever. And I, I just, just force of habit, fallen down that hole again and again, you know, until uh, the pro I worked the program and found a way to do it. So what happened was in 2019, as I said, when Titley was abstinent, but the fear of sponsoring sent me right back into the food. I got three months to qualify being a sponsor and I forgot to time myself. Um, could I just check where I am at this stage, please? Um, yeah, you have about nine minutes. Oh, great. Well, let's go into <laughs> where it worked. So I got a sponsor and she brought me through the vision way of doing it. I was terrified of it. Recently, I came across something in my God box. Please take away my fear of vision. So much was required. I just thought, I can't do this. I won't have the time for it. Um, and what I needed was a set-aside prayer, which I'm going to read. God, please help me to set aside everything I think I know about myself. The 12 steps, the big book, the meetings, my disease, and you, God, so that I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please let me see the truth. 
Amen. And I needed an open mind. I needed a new experience because what I was doing was definitely not working. And I was required to take away everything that had a tiny bit of sugar while I was working through the steps. And I nearly halted at stock cubes. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. There's sugar in stock cubes. I can't make a tasty soup without, you know, stock cubes. But that was the mountain that was going to kill me. And I did. And you see, for those, those three months, that gave me an abstinence that I felt that I could rely on. It felt solid. The food dreams stopped. Um, I can't say I didn't pick up. I've picked up twice since I've been in vision. Um, but the first time, my sponsor, she very kindly took lots of time, 20 minutes interrogating me. What was your thought? What was you thinking? When you first thought, what were you doing? Um, what did you think as you were lifting the food? It really felt like a police station interrogation, you know? She was, it was painful. I was almost in tears. I think I was in tears. But it meant the next time it happened, I caught it quicker. And I knew there was something wrong when I had a food thought. What's going on? I was able to say and then do a step 10 on it. So we worked the steps and we got through them in about three months. Um, and the, one of the most helpful things I've ever heard in, in vision meetings, and I've, I've heard so many, they're, they're recorded so you can get them. It's just one way of doing away. It happens to be the way that, that has really helped me. Um, and this person shared, and what she said was, God does not want me to be in fear, even fear of relapsing. And my immediate response to that was, no, that can't be right because I am terrified of relapsing. It's the only thing that's going to stop me from relapsing is this fear. But really, if, we're, if I'm living in fear, I'm not happy, joyous and free. You know, I want to be happy, joyous and free. And if I pick up, there's no guarantee I won't pick up. You know, today I'm recovered and hopefully I'll maintain this fit spiritual condition. But if I do pick up again, God's not going to be anywhere other than where God is. I'm not back at the bottom of the mountain. I have journeyed up this mountain apart. I have friends to go to. I have a program to work on. I have steps one, two, and three in the morning where I admit that I am powerless over food. I'm powerless over everything. God can restore me to sanity. Um, dear God, I offer myself to you to build with and do with as you will. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those who would help of your power, your love, your way of life. May I do your will always. And some days I just don't always do God's will. I still run off on my own. But what I've learned through my relapsing is to have compassion on myself. And I've learned that my God, my higher power is amazing. Absolutely not mad at me, mad about me. Does not give a toss whether I'm in the food or whether I'm out of the food. I believe that thoroughly and I have to believe that because otherwise I'd be rebelling against this strict parent, you know. But I know God wants me to be happy and will guide me on that path for sure. But I do want to be free from fear, whatever that fear might happen to be. And what helps me with that is step 10 train. And I have a partner every night um, that I do my step 10 with, it's amazing. Change partners every two weeks, absolutely fabulous way of keeping me on track and keeping me in my program. I'm so, so grateful for it. And it's a form of two-way prayer. And I've heard from God all these funny things, you know, so it's like, Phil, who, um, who died and left you, boss? And also, Philomena, honey, you know, I 
I have a lot of experience in looking after things. I can look after you. I brought you so far, I'm not going to drop you now. Um, just all sorts of stuff. It's beautiful. And I've also needed to explore the feminine of God. I really, really needed that because feminine was where I got my love and my comfort. Um, and it felt very sacrilegious to start down that path. But when you explore it, you know, the feminine has been, you know, part of worship and acknowledgement and, and special. If it doesn't float your boat, don't be worrying and think about it. It's absolutely fine. But uh, uh, the lovely images and things that really, really helped me on my journey and helped me to feel loved and, and held in the blanket. And two-way prayer is another practice that, that really helps me as well. I might have mentioned it. And the, event, the uh, invitation I'm feeling very strongly is to the adventure and just to go deeper and deeper. You know, come out of the shallows. You know that lovely song, out of the shallows and into the deep. We're really held even stronger and more beautifully um, and, and be invited to listen to more music. And I got that in my reading randomly this morning. You know, when I'm feeling far from my higher power, I listen. And I went to my meeting today and listened um, uh, to, to dance. I haven't started on that, but I'm going there to start dancing, to have a light heart, to have fun. Like a child, you know, a little child toddler that's going along beside its loving parent. It's not going, please, please, please give me... Um, you know, look after me, please give me what I need. The little child has no worries. It knows it's going to be looked after and it's skipping along, happy and joyous and free, just very, very naturally. Um, there's so much to this program. I have talked a long time. Um, I hope I haven't gone over. Uh, Roy, do you have any more time or is that time up? Well, you have more, but you do what you need to do. <laughs> Oh, you're ever so good. You're ever so good. So, yes, what I want to share at the last time is forget about the drive to perfection. Um, I'm embracing my imperfection. I'm perfectly imperfect, and that's grand. But something I heard, I thought was so beautiful. Uh, step seven, prayer. Okay. And uh, this is just a new understanding somebody gave me on the step 10 train. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that now you now remove from me every single default of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from, putting my hand on my heart, here, to do your bidding. Amen. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Phil. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. And I just want to read out... Um, a piece of the big book uh, after your share, page 457, one of the stories called Safe Haven. And although the disease of alcoholism or compulsive overeating inside of me is like gravity, just waiting to pull me down, AA, OA and the 12 steps are like the power that causes an airplane to become airborne. It only works when the pilot is doing the right things to make it work. So as I have worked the program, I have grown emotionally and intellectually. I not only have peace with God, I have the peace of God through an act of God consciousness. I have not only recovered from alcoholism or compulsive overeating, I have become whole in person, body, spirit, and soul.